Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome back, listeners, to the third and, as of right now, final installment in our Space Jam Looney Tunes movie review series. Today we are reviewing Space Jam A New Legacy. This is your co-host Corbin. And I'm Alan. I Honestly, Alan, I don't know if anybody was asking for a sequel to Space Jam about a quarter of a century later. <laughs> I know that we weren't. Go back and listen to our review of Space Jam. Last week we reviewed the pseudo-sequel Looney Tunes back in action. This is the mm-hmm. third live-action animation hybrid theatrical looney tunes movie to come to theaters and uh we're gonna talk about it we're gonna talk about it it's also on hbo max so if you don't want to venture out into the theaters you can check it out on hbo max till august 15th i believe and also listeners while you're at it go ahead and leave us a five star review that actually really helps us in the rankings that helps grow silver screen guide it's a easy free way for us to grow the podcast it grows the community and make sure to check in the link in the description below um, to your guide to a new legacy that came out last thursday where you get to hear the behind the scenes why it took so long for them to make a sequel and of course there's timestamps in the description below if you're ready to jump straight into the review there's tons of great stuff in the description so corbin uh were you i know we you briefly mentioned uh it but uh did you see this trailer right when it released or did you wait until we were going to review it to watch the trailer i waited till um our review to watch the trailer i didn't want any potential spoilers they have been playing this trailer on repeat everywhere i look it seems so i have seen footage from it i just knew it was lebron james playing basketball with the looney tunes and i didn't know anything beyond that yeah i'm Almost the same way. I didn't see the trailer necessarily, but uh, when this movie first dropped um, and critics were, the critic scores were coming out, uh, there were definitely a lot of memes on this movie and its uh, quality, I guess we can say. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I caught a glimpse of a scene and usually I would not pay attention to it, but from what I saw, I was confused and hmm. I watched further. Um, Interesting. now of course watching it in the movie it made a little bit more sense to me than out of context but uh, it had hmm. me a little bit worried okay. to say the least <laughs> okay. from what I from what I saw but aside from that uh, I gotta say Corbin these trailers at least to me sure like to give a, a lot away about this plot uh, yeah I would definitely say in many ways it's kind of pandering to our modern age of movies with the way that it's Mm -hmm. edited, with the soundtrack in the background. They do have to give a lot of way, I guess, to maybe entice some kids and to get their parents to take them to the movie. It's also an old property. They are returning to a property that came out about 25 years ago. There was a failed pseudo sequel that came out about seven years later. And 
we haven't heard from Looney Tunes on the big screen for 17 years. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest, Alan, if I wasn't reviewing this movie, I wouldn't be going to see it in theaters. But I will say the trailer did do this film a lot of favors through the magic of editing. They, uh, let's just say I think they present a different film from what we get. Or maybe they're just putting their best foot forward. I don't know. Yeah, they definitely... You're, I think you hit the nail on the head. This is definitely meant to be um, a more modern version, right? Or it's definitely a more modern <laughs> yeah. film, right? And so I, I think that with this trailer, you're right. They probably are putting their best foot forward. I think uh, it's one of those things where uh, they're trying to paint it as being a bit, maybe a bit more intense than what it really is in the movie. Oh, yeah. I can't say that I would be necessarily itching to watch this. If we were not having to watch it for the review, I probably would have skipped it and waited to see if it was not good or or if it actually was surprisingly something of quality. Um, sure. Because I was not asking for this, honestly. <laughs> I'm sure there are a num number of people who probably weren't either. Yeah, I don't know who was thinking we should do a sequel to Space Jam. It's a really right. weird time to do it. Let's just say the trailer doesn't represent a different plot. It just represents a different mood, at least from the one I experienced. We're about to talk about it here. But um, mm. before we get into it, Alan, did you notice Ryan Coogler produced this movie? That's right. Ryan Coogler produced it and Keenan Coogler helped write it. In fact, we have six writers on this movie. That was also concerning for me when I yeah. looked this up. Six people to write a kid's movie? Okay, some some serious problems are happening behind the scenes then. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. Usually when you have more than a no if you have more than a handful of writers and uh, things It doesn't coalesce. <laughs> Not yeah, usually mean things can be kind of a mess if you're not careful. Absolutely. Well, listeners, if you have not seen Space Jam, A New Legacy, it is currently streaming on HBO Max until August 15th, I believe. Of course, you can go to your local theater and see it. It had a huge opening of 4,000 theaters, so it is across the country. Wonder Brothers is really trying to push this movie out. So go ahead, check out the movie, then come back and click play here, and we'll be ready to talk about all the spoilers. Basketball superstar LeBron James wants his kids to follow in his own footsteps. However, one of his sons, named Dom, has a passion that lies not in basketball, but in making video games. One night, LeBron asks to see Dom's game, but as his son demos what he has completed, a glitch deletes his character, forcing him to restart on it. Later, LeBron gets a call from Warner Brothers Studios, where they show him a revolutionary new technology. Created from their own algorithm running on the underground servers, they now possess the ability to insert anyone into any movie, but LeBron turns them down. Come to find out, the algorithm is sentient, named Al G. He sees the meeting go south and traps both LeBron and his son, Dom, in the serververse. Al G tells the superstar that in order for him to go free, he must win a basketball game that will happen in one day, and that he has that time to collect and make his team. He then sends LeBron to the Toon World, where only Bugs Bunny remains. Long ago, when Algy took over, he excommunicated the other tunes to other worlds owned by WB, leaving only Bugs. But now, with the help of LeBron, Bugs is able to get his pals back, and the superstar is able to get the Toon Squad back together as his basketball team. It's the day of the game, but Algy has one trick up his sleeve. He live streams the game, pulling in anyone who watches into the serververse. Also, Algy has captured other basketball superstars to make the opposing team known as the Goon Squad. 
The stakes are raised. If the Toon Squad loses, then everyone who has been pulled into the serververse will remain in the serververse, which now includes the Bronze family. The basketball game is also built off of Dom's creation, meaning the rules are quite different than your standard, normal, real-life basketball game. With the Braun holding strong to play within the sa those same rules, the goons handily destroy the Toons in the first half. The Braun realizes that to win the game, he must let the Toons be themselves instead of keeping those same rules. The Toons start gaining points, and with 10 seconds left, it's decided that they must perform the glitch that happened earlier in the film to secure a win. In a surprise twist, Bugs grabs the ball and does the bronze signature move, winning the game but causing Bugs to begin glitching out and eventually disappear. Everyone was returned from the serververse, and the Braun has learned a valuable lesson not to push his image onto his own children and takes his kid, Dom, to the E3 development boot camp, which is what he's always wanted to go to. Also, it turns out, Bugs Bunny is actually alive. I'm a toon, Doc, he tells the Braun as they walk into the sunset. The end. My gosh. Uh, I'm just going to say right now, I am glad I didn't have to write this plot summary. I already felt like a buffoon writing the plot summary for Looney Tunes back in action. Mm -hmm. My gosh, it took six people to come up with this plot. I mean, uh, give me a break. It's yeah, it's it's all over the place. I'll, I'll, I'm with you. It's uh, there's a lot of stuff to this plot. Uh, there's a, there's a lot. Okay. Uh, let's be positive first though. Positives off the bat. I think it was a good idea to make LeBron a cartoon for most of the movie because we noted how Michael Jordan really couldn't act in the first one. And I think this more so puts him on the, on their level. We have never seen, we never saw Michael Jordan become a cartoon. So it's kind of makes sense. If he's going to go into the animated world, then he makes, he gets his own animation and it kind of takes the, you know, onus off of LeBron to carry this movie, which we all know mm. he won't be able to do. So, you know, I like that they made him a cartoon. I think the animation is good in this. I mean, probably my favorite thing about this movie is the realistic new character designs we get about an hour into this movie. I think they're much better than those Tom and Jerry character design garbage. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You're, you're. I'm with you. The those new designs for these CGI characters are miles better than the uh, ones from Tom and Jerry. Um, I think you're. I, I think I agree with you partially with uh, with the Braun. I would have liked to see them return to that. Uh, they do a little bit of it, but not a lot of the live action with animation playing like you know with on the same screen at the same time, interacting with each other, right? Space Jam 1 and Looney Tunes Back in Action both did this heavily. They were basically built off of that principle. This one's not quite the same. And now with technology more advanced than what happened 17 years ago, I feel like it wouldn't, and maybe it's just me, but it, I feel like it wouldn't be, you know, as complicated as what it would be back then, right? I kind of wished I would have seen, and like I mentioned, there's, there are a couple of scenes where they do do this kind of a thing, but it's not, you know, the main focus. So I was excited when LeBron was being sent to the Toon World. I was like, okay, we're going to have a, like a replay more or less of Looney Tune or of Space Jam 1 with when Michael Jordan entered the Toon World. But no, he becomes a cartoon um, and they go down that route instead. I was kind of bummed about that, to be honest. Uh, hmm. they, they didn't play with LeBron as you know live action person but in a completely cartoon world i wish they would have gone down that route more than what they did they have a couple of scenes here and there 
but for the most part, they don't really touch that. Yeah, it's it's more so limited to the basketball game, which is about like 50 minutes of this whole movie. It like almost plays out in yeah. real time there towards the <laughs> yeah. end, but then he does. That's when everybody gets an upgrade. No longer is anybody 2D. It goes into 3D. So I thought that was kind of cool how it is kind of bridging the old school 2D Looney Tunes animations and it is bringing it all into a more modern 3D world, which is what most of the stuff is. Mm. Um, the other thing that I thought was, um, okay, I really only have two other compliments, is that Wiley e. Coyote and Roadrunner in the Mad Max verse, I thought that was kind of funny to see um, Wiley e. Coyote be one of the war boys. Mm-hmm. Um, Casablanca and Austin Powers didn't really make any sense to me. Played against Sam, Yosemite Sam, we get it. Um, and then the Michael B. Jordan, where they teased that Michael Jordan himself was going to make a cameo. And in fact, it was Michael B. Jordan. That was the only joke I really found to be funny. Yeah, there were a few jokes that, you know, I thought were pretty funny. Uh, the Michael B. Jordan one was pretty funny. And you brought up my, the Mad Max Fury Road scene. Uh, that one really did stick out to me because I'm thinking, what in the world is this rated R movie doing in a kid, like a reference <laughs> to a rated R movie doing in a, a kid's film? Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, but yeah, it was pretty, f- this is partly where I think a, some of that live action and animation stuff is playing off of. Now, this sure looks to me like it was footage from the completed movie that they just digitally inserted uh, the cartoons into um for the most part uh but they were fun nonetheless they were i don't think this is necessarily as bad as i was looney tunes back in action where that movie i felt was just uh, so much of ref so many references that it just kind of became consumed by making all those references there are still a bunch here and i'd say that this feel movie kind of feels like a combination between space jam and uh, Looney Tunes back in action in a lot of ways. This one feels a lot more restrained than back in action. I think that there are still too many references here, but it definitely feels like, you know, what references they do make, you know, they I think they make a little bit more sense than what we were seeing last time, or at least they worked a little bit better um, in the movie than what we were seeing in Looney Tunes back in action. It sounds like you and I are going to have uh, maybe some disagreements later on (laughs) in the (laughs) podcast well unfortunately that is where my positives end i mean once we are directly into the beginning of this movie the opening credits sequence i realize this is a direct recreation of the original movie more or less this is a ripoff of the original space jam they add in a little bit of conflict with his son they add in this conflict instead of you know them being enslaved to moron mountain from the original movie they're all going to be stuck in the server world and i'm just realizing what is the point of making a sequel 25 years later if you're really not going to try to do anything new if you're really just going to crib off of your existing property are you just hoping people forgot about that project and it's just going to be some new experience i mean i gotta say alan I feel like this is a big waste of $150 million if they're just going to resurrect the IP to really not do much else with it. 
I'll disagree with you a little bit on this. Um, I think what they found is a, or what they are going for is a formula. I, I didn't see it as a complete remake necessarily or a ripoff of the original. I will agree though, to a point that, you know, there are definitely a lot of plot beats that are very much the same. Uh, I like the way that, you know, that the get the team and then they play the game at the end. They, you know, lose the first half come back the th on the third quarter, almost get beat again in the fourth quarter, but then magically make it just barely in time to get the score so they can win. <laughs> um, there are definitely a lot of plot beats here that uh, are very similar, if not the same as the previous movie. But I didn't see it necessarily as a complete ripoff of the, say, of the first movie. I think that there's enough here to differentiate it from it, but there's still very much a formula that they're going for. I got to say, Alan, I'm shocked. I was expecting you to eviscerate this movie and to actually hear you giving it a little bit of defense. I'm I'm surprised I, I had no expectation of this. Um, just like I guess I guess our Candyman review is not out at this point, but um, we, we had a, some divergence there as well that I was surprised on. It's true. Yeah, but I got to say also, I feel like I have been transported back to the early 2000s, especially with Don Cheadle's character segments algae rhythm algorithm uh, yes. i mean yeah. that first of all that is just the stupidest thing i've ever heard i feel like i'm back in spy kids 3d game over where sylvester stallone is i don't even remember his character's name but they get sucked into this game world and mm -hmm. it looks so much like robert rodriguez's spy kids 3 it also looks a lot like shark boy and lava girl to me I'm really getting those vibes here where he brings them into this g game system or something all to manipulate them and trick them. Except when I was a kid, I mean, I found those movies fairly exhilarating. I haven't returned to them in years. But once again, this belongs alongside that era, not in 2021. I'm really, really shocked, honestly. They're putting a lot of this cringy stuff in with algae rhythm. It's shocking. Yeah, it's always really funny to me to see uh, personifications of things that are hard to express to an audience um, <laughs> that aren't already in computer science or have a background in it or, you know, or don't already understand that kind of a thing. Um, so seeing that there is an algorithm that's played by a human character who is like this sentient being uh, <laughs> and can manipulate and bring people into, you know, the server verse or whatever. Uh, it's just hilarious to me. Um, I is of course, it's not how it works. Uh, it's definitely not what they're going for. It's just because it's a hot button word right now, an algorithm, right? That's <laughs> essentially the whole reason for his character's existence. Um, he's the main bad guy for everything here it really doesn't have any connection to anything outside of uh outside of i guess he has feelings and he wants to win uh, or something so yeah it doesn't make uh, any sense yeah i can honestly say I, I i don't really like this character at all there's i mean to be fair there's not much to really anybody in this movie um so no. that's just kind of par for the course it's just funny to me the you know what they sometimes will use when they write a more mainstream movie you know to personify things that are hard to express for the audience to understand easily well and i mean i think they did a 
more enjoyable job in Tron than they do in this. Now, our review of Tron is coming out in a few months, so just mm -hmm. previewing my thoughts a little bit, but this is the same thing. The master control program was essentially an AI in Tron. I don't wanna get too far into it. We've just seen this done before and many decades ago. I also realized that, especially once they get to the basketball game, they are hoping, they're riding on the coattails of their other property, Ready Player One, oh, to yeah. hope that people like that movie enough that, wait, what if it's like a modern basketball star in Looney Tunes and they have a basketball game and King Kong and Iron Giant are in the audience? I'm like, you are ripping off, Warner Brothers is ripping off themselves at this point. And I'm going to use that word. I'm, I'm not going to, I feel like, they should have gone far more original. I don't think there really is anywhere to go with this property anyway. So that's why I don't understand why they made a sequel. But mm. I think they're just relying too much on other things that they've already done. Yeah, this along with a lot of things nowadays, I, I think this is very much the case uh, more so now than it has in the last like couple of decades as far as I've been alive. Nostalgia is a huge thing right now, right? And we sure. noted that in Ready Player One, the big nostalgia bait for that one was like the 80s. Um, that was like right. the whole point of that book's existence was recapping the 80s more or less in terms of nostalgic properties. This one's the same thing. You know, if, while not, I guess, as extensive <laughs> to as Ready Player One is uh, to being so 80s, it's more of just, nostalgia for other WB properties, right? We still go back pretty far, like Casablanca, for example, is a reference in this movie. Um, yeah, a lot. <laughs> there, That's definitely a lot of nostalgia uh, in this movie. Again, like a, I feel like I like a lot of things um, nowadays. I don't really care for that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't even, and I, we talked for Ready Player One um, when we did the review, oh gosh, mm -hmm. whenever it released. <laughs> that I felt like uh, I was being kind of pandered to, I felt like a little bit there. Um, to a certain degree, I can say the same thing here, uh, but to it's for a different reason um, for being pandered to. It's mostly pandering for the things that are popular now, all the memes that are popular now, which will instantly date this movie now that it's released, uh, which is fantastic. So I got to say... This is very much a thing of nostalgia. Again, that's just how the best a popular thing now, right? Is nostalgic properties. I think the main problem with this is the nostalgia is far too broad. Whereas Ready Player One was tapping into kind of nerd culture or video game nostalgia where it was kind of everything that I love. I loved seeing those nostalgia and references on screen. Go back and listen to our review listeners. Al and I had different thoughts on that as well. Mm -hmm. But with this one, it's far too broad. They're tapping into King Kong from 1933. They're tapping into Iron Giant. We see The Masks, the Jim Carrey movie. We see a lot of Game of Thrones characters. We see Pennywise in a number of shots right behind the coach. And I'm just thinking you're just pulling from every popular property that you've had or even the lesser forgotten ones or the more forgotten ones i should say like the mask it's far too broad of a nostalgia trip and ultimately i think it ends up serving no one kids aren't going to get it adults like me are just going to left scratching my head thinking this is really strange and ultimately i think it really just fails i'm very disappointed with it i find it also kind of ridiculous how much 
um, WB markets their own properties. Like we see posters of Aquaman, Joker, Scoob even. Like, wh- like why mm-hmm. would anybody care about that giant poster of Scoob? Um, we even see the original Space Jam poster, which confuses me because that seemingly shows the first film is purely fictional, even though Bugs Bunny will break the fourth wall, winking at us that he went through it and Lola Bunny will confirm the same thing as well. Right. This movie is trying to be nostalgia and medic to to like the extreme. And it's just it's an overload for me. Um, I was really shocked. Yeah. I, and like I mentioned, this is very much a combination of the first Space Jam and Looney Tunes back in action, right? Right. Because right. they do have those references to pop culture. Both, I guess both films had that. But in terms of like referencing movies and Hollywood, that's from uh, Looney Tunes back in action. That one, that's definitely in here. I, you know, we, we've been talking about all the WB properties that they reference. Also, real quick, uh, speaking of properties, they also, uh, I, I saw it in the background, they have the guys from uh, Clockwork Orange. Um, the guys that are wearing the white suits. I'm telling which you, is it's everything. Real awkward because they do some pretty nasty things in that movie, from per my understanding. Yes, um, <laughs> that's not for kids. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, totally not. Uh, that that point aside, uh, yeah, their their goal again being that they want to go for nostalgia. You know, I can get that, but I can agree with you to a certain point. You know, it's just a lot. Right. It's a lot to handle. It, and this movie moves a million miles an hour, kind of like the last two did. Uh, it is a kid's movie after all, and pacing usually tends to be pretty quick with those. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can say that um, this movie does be, especially in the beginning portions, I feel like it was just like a barrage of things happening all at one time almost. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I would even say it was off-putting, especially in the beginning when they digitize LeBron and he is in Batman world and then they fly past Casablanca world, which has far too much prominence. I mean, Casablanca is really old. I understand that it won Best Picture. It mm-hmm. We've reviewed it. It is a phenomenal film. We'll attach our review of Casablanca in the description below. They reference Harry Potter so often, DC World. After a while, I'm just wondering, I love Harry Potter. I love Casablanca. Are they just hoping that it's like a bait and switch that I'll just like those movies enough? It'll just be kind of cute and fun to see them run through those worlds. It is shocking. Game of Thrones isn't for kids at all. My guess is, is that they are knowing adults are taking their children to see this movie. So they're giving them, they're throwing them a bone. And so at the most, I feel like they're pandering to adults by throwing in all of these references. And ultimately, I find it very off-putting that they're referencing all of their IPs so much. Not to mention, I think this film has a horrible plot set up of um, Al G wanting to... All I can think of is Sasha Baron Cohen's Ali G in the house every Mm -hmm. (laughs) every time I hear this. Um, he lures the kid into the server room. It is the also the cliche, which I call the save our son cliche, where the father is kind of mean to the son. So he pushes the son away. The son aligns himself with the enemy until um, the son reteams with the father and they make up. I can't even tell you how many movies I've seen that in. Um, the one example that came to the top of my head is Steven Spielberg's hook is where it happens mm-hmm. as well. I think this movie has a horrible setup where he gets zapped into the what the matrix and 
it's so yeah. bad, Alan. It's so bad. The E3 stuff. I mean, honestly, I put in my notes right here. I said, this isn't a B-level direct-to-DVD movie from 2005, question mark, where this kid's creating a video game. It's so cheap. I couldn't even believe it. Yeah, like we've been talking about, right? They're going for uh, one, Nasaja, of course, is one. And then also, you know, things that are popular now, right? So we have all the references to, you know, the algorithm, uh, making a game, that kind of a stuff, right? That's mm -hmm. popular with this movie. I feel like that's essentially what drove this movie is Absolutely. You know, making, you know, those references uh, or, you know, it's a movie. It's meant to be a movie for everybody, right? Because it already is a nostalgic property, just because of what happened in 1986, right? Mm -hmm. So they're already going to have people coming in who are our age, um, or maybe a little bit older, that are going to want to see it because, well, they like the original and they grew up on the original, um, and then they also have the new kids that are coming mm -hmm. in who have not maybe haven't seen the original um, and are now able to see, you know a new like a new revision of it right it's the same thing with star wars right star wars has uh, all of the old characters returning but kind of slowly being killed off as each episode comes out um and it's meant to be like a new generation for a new audience right it's, i think it's the same thing here maybe not going for an exactly a universe yet uh, I guess we'll see in the future. Oh. But the goal, from what I understand, is that it's a movie for everybody. So they're trying to pander everybody. But like you said, it makes it pretty broad to a point where uh, I, I'm with you. I think that this plot is just flimsy at best. It There really is no good reason for anything to happen here. Because what dri what's driving the plot for me, from what I'm seeing, is, you know, what else can we reference that, you know, still harkens to the original Space Jam, but still, you know, is going to be relevant to today's day and age. Yeah, the only problem is they forgot creativity. Um, yeah. They're too busy, you know, being unoriginal that I lose all interest. I'll be honest, Alan, 23 minutes in, I wish I could shut this movie off. Oh, how I wish. If I wasn't reviewing this for SSG, I would have shut this off. It is a terrible mm -hmm. premise. Play The premise is play basketball with me so everyone will see how great of an AI I am and I can control the world. First of all, how in the world does Warner Brothers have this super artificial intelligence? The yeah. Warner Brothers Studios? Yeah, and they uh, decide that they want to show it to LeBron James. You know, uh, this revolutionary you know, yeah. uh, technology that they can what? insert anybody into any movie and they show it to a basketball superstar of all people. Uh, <laughs> AI, like I said, it the the reason for this plot to move forward is not really set in much logic. It's meant to just move it along by basically any means necessary almost. Uh, that So that I guess is why the plot I think is bad and I don't think it's very good, <laughs> but it doesn't bother me nearly as much as it does you. Oh, it bothers me so much. And yeah. the other thing that bothers me is that they are trying to equate LeBron James with Michael Jordan, which is ridiculous. Michael Jordan was a true phenomenon of the 90s. I don't, I mean, I think maybe at one point LeBron James was, you know, a very talked about basketball player, but mm -hmm. now the only time I ever see him in the headlines is he's being incredibly politically divisive and making statements to just rile people up, it seems like. So, 
I don't know where they're getting LeBron James from as the next Michael Jordan of our age. I really thought that was kind of silly. And, you know, honestly, to me, it makes sense if it was Michael Jordan where they wanted to digitize him and put him in all these like cartoon movies that would definitely sell to kids in the 90s at that time Mm -hmm. period. I don't know any kid right now, really, unless they are some super basketball fan that could even point out LeBron James, know what even team he plays for, and then want to watch one of his cartoons if he's digitized into it. And I find it so hokey. His son is some incredible video game developer. He knows all about algorithms and machine learning and all kinds of stuff. He wants to enter the E3 competition. And I mean, should I even go there? But nobody can deliver dialogue well at all, except for Don Cheadle, probably, who is a seasoned actor. LeBron can't deliver the dialogue. His son can't either. It's so goofy. And when they have this sentimental reunion at the end, I don't care at all. I mean, it's so unemotional. It's 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 sad. It's just I'll, sad. I'll, I'll, I'll say I'll disagree with you a little bit on uh, the LeBron James popularity part of it. Because I remember when I was in definitely college, but I think maybe a little bit of high school, LeBron James was a big name. Uh, I heard about him a lot, of course, going to a big public school. Uh, so now, if, is he as good as Michael Jordan is back in the 90s? Um, I don't I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm not a basketball guy. I've never really been a basketball guy. We talked about in Space Jam 1 how there were a number of jokes with the basketball players that just flew right over my head because I'm not into basketball. But this is more or less, I don't know if he's necessarily, uh, again, I don't know if he's necessarily on the same level as Michael Jordan was um, back in the 90s because he was a phenomenon, Michael Jordan was. Um, But he's, you know, he's roughly the equivalent of like the 21st century Michael Jordan, more or less. He's a, he's still a very popular person. He in especially in sports, and he plays basketball. Um, so I can see why they went with him uh, if they were going to you know remake or, or do a sequel to Space Jam in the 21st century uh, for a more modern audience. So I can see why they went for him. Uh, as for him being a phenomenon like Michael Jordan was, and I don't, don't think he's necessarily yeah. on the same level. The other thing is I cannot believe there is still about a little over 40 minutes. I mean, factoring in, I'm taking, I'm being generous. I'm taking about 10 minutes off for credits, but there Mm. is at least over 40 minutes left in this movie. Once the game is about to start, I guess in some ways that's somewhat of a positive because in the first space jam movie, I did complain about how I, the game just kind of happened all of a sudden and there really wasn't much build up to it. It had this like, crazy condensed second act and then the third act was just there that movie Mm -hmm. was barely skirting by um theatrical runtime anyway um i think the whole basketball game at the end is too long i find it incredibly boring to sit through this game that feels almost real time to me and especially to watch them duke it out with this goon squad which i found the cgi to be pretty bad you can tell they put all the money into the looney tunes cgi and this goon squad I found it just they just looked kind of generic and really weird. They're fighting ones like a spider, ones that are like elements, but they're also bugs. And I don't know, I I couldn't get into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when it comes to the CGI, um, I don't think that they're really going for realism. 
the Looney Tunes are probably the closest thing to realism when it comes to the use of CGI in this movie. Um, everything else I think is meant to, you know, it's, it's a, it's a video game after all. Um, so I think that they're kind of going for more of a car, somewhat cartoony aspect, not necessarily one that's, uh, exactly, you know, real, real life. I will agree with you on this point though, when they do have the CGI Don Cheeto that comes up at the very last quarter, mm-hmm. I don't think that looks good at all. Um, that's where it starts to get into uncanny valley territory. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. if you ask me. But when it comes to this game, when it comes to the, the final, you know, the game at the very end of both Space Jam movies, um, it's, I, I, I'll agree with you. I think it's not necessarily the most greatest pace uh, part in the entire mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely goes on for a long time. And I was thinking when they were getting ready for the basketball game, like, holy wait, they have like an hour left still. Like, oh, yeah. We're not even close to the end here. We're like almost, we're barely scooting past the middle and they're already starting the game. Yeah, you're right. It's kind of a strange pacing that they would have the game last so long. But I think that's the reason why is because yeah, that's the biggest part of that original movie is the big game at the end as the, you know, the big scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of the same thing here, I guess. So we talked about uh, the voices for the Looney Tunes in both the original Space Jam and in Back in Action. Mm, um, that's true. We noted that the voices sounded a little bit strange in Space Jam because it, they were played by people who uh, aren't the seasoned actors who have played these voices for years. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Alasky, I think is his name, um, who was like the guy who followed the guy um, who did those original voices. I forget his name, but I know his last name is Blanc. They sound for me. I think they sound the most. Um, they sound, they sound the most different here. I feel they like Bugs Bunny voice, who, who is like like the main uh, face of the Looney Tunes. Um, really, just sounds not like Bugs Bunny. It definitely sounds like someone's doing an impression of Bugs Bunny. And they again, they don't have that Joe Alasky here who did those uh, original voices. Um, for a good number of years, they don't have him here. They definitely stood out to me, especially Bugs Bunny, when they came to the voices in this movie. I completely agree with you. That was something I picked up on in the first Space Jam movie, and they really rectified it with Looney Tunes back in action. That is my that is one of my big disappointments. That's my final disappointment of this movie is that they couldn't mm. even get Bugs Bunny to sound right. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know what he's really done. I just don't know who these people are that they picked up and they thought, you know what? He does the best impression. We're going to put him in our big budget headliner theatrical film. Didn't sound like Bugs Bunny, really. It did sound like someone just trying to do an impersonation. And I was very disappointed by that. That really did also kind of lessen the experience for me and take me out of it. So if they ever do this again, find somebody better. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Alan, what is your rating and recommendation for Space Jam, A New Legacy? Uh, Space Jam um, 2 is, it's an interesting movie, I guess. Um, (laughs) I think that LeBron James is a better actor than Michael Jordan, but that, you know, not exactly a a bar that's set very high to begin with. Uh, This is a movie that um, I guess I can see what they're going for. Uh, they're, I, and I've talked about this multiple times, you know, they're going for the nostalgia, they're going for the more, you know, 
trigger words, I guess. They're going for, you know, things that people are going to recognize, you know, this algorithm um, that's personified by John Don Cheadle, who's big because of Marvel, especially now. Uh, you've also got, you know, the, the weird uh, or the same uh, plot structure as that original movie, because that's kind of the format that they're working with. You know, of course, you have all the references to every WB property known to man. Uh, I can see what they're going for. I don't think it's necessarily that great of a film. I, I think that Space Jam A New Legacy is one that gets so far into per, trying to pander, or not pander maybe, but trying to allow all audiences to watch it without getting, you know, mad with bad by it, that it completely goes the opposite way, where now there are definitely a number of people who, uh, it's critics mostly, that really can't stand this movie, and we've talked about that in the background, the scores for this is not good. But I know that there are people, and I've talked to at least two people who genuinely enjoy this movie. Um, I'm not necessarily in that same crowd, but I kind of can see what they're going for. It's too broad, I think, is why I really am just apathetic towards this movie. I'm going to give it a 4 out of 10, like I've given all of these movies so far. I'm going to say this is honestly one that I think you can skip, not recommend. Space Jam A New Legacy is a garbage piece of cinema, a <laughs> needless ripoff, hopelessly clawing at our 90s nostalgia to pique our interests. A few minutes into this movie, I knew my worst fears had been realized. Original movie, new skin. LeBron isn't Michael. I don't care about this father-son relationship, who cares about this dumb AI with a horrible name, and this cliche plot is entirely obvious. When you know there really aren't stakes in a movie, it's just no fun to watch. I had no fun with this movie whatsoever. The best thing for it is, is the realistic Looney Tunes character designs. I'm left scratching my head because this is a plot for children, yet no kid is going to sit through a two-hour movie. Who is this movie for? They're clearly aping off their own property, Ready Player One, but at the same time, they're going for this other bizarre Robert Rodriguez nostalgia Spy Kids 3D game over. When I saw the scores, I was shocked the film had been received this poorly. I didn't expect it to be this bad. My gosh, it is. I can definitely say this is the worst movie I have seen in 2021. Space Jam A New Legacy receives one star out of 10 with my strongest not recommend. Oh. <laughs> one star. We actually haven't, I don't think we've had a one star in a while. Guess what my last one star was? What's that? Tom and Jerry, the other HBO Max live action animated movie. Oh, yeah. Did I give that a one star? No, you gave it a two. Okay. I guess it wasn't that long ago then that we had a one star because that was about, that was the beginning of the year. Yeah. So straight fours for you, Alan, with mm -hmm. technically giving the first film a four, but giving it kind of a nostalgic recommend, I guess you could say. Um, I, I have not recommended any of these movies. The closest I got was the second one. So I guess my ranking would be Looney Tunes Back in Action, Space Jam 1996, and then Space Jam A New Legacy. This one's going to be a bit tough. Um, I, I mean, obviously, Space Jam, the original, is going to be number one because um, I ended up giving that a recommend. I think I'm going to go Space Jam, Space Jam 2, Looney Tunes back in action. But because they're all fours, they're all like real close. They almost could go in any order. Sure. Um, 
All right. Well, I don't think I have to um, <laughs> ask you, but I'm going to anyways. Is it a pickup or is it a pass, Corbin? I will never own this movie. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not really thinking about buying it either. Um, I'm not as opposed as as you would be, but I probably I would not go out of my way to purchase this movie at all. I have don't really see much reason to own it in my collection. This just shocks me though because I gave it a one, Thomas gave it a three, and you gave it a four. Out of all of us, I didn't expect you to give it the highest score. I really thought you'd be harder on this movie. But but let the record show you were kind of the fan of the original Space Jam coming into it, whereas I had no attachment to any of this property whatsoever. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think also I've heard, you know, other people talk about it, too. Uh, people who like, actually like it. They've, you know, I've talked to them a little bit about it and I kind of you know, see why they enjoy it. Not to say that it necessarily influenced my rating necessarily, but I can see why people like this movie too. Uh, I can see where there's definitely that draw. So, well, after watching Space Jam, is there anything that you could recommend um, listeners, the listeners watch after this? I recommend they check out Ready Player One, Tron, and Scott Pilgrim versus the World. That's an interesting pick. Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, I think they uh, completely copy and pasted the sound mixing for Scott Pilgrim. And whoever sound mixed this movie probably should be sued. I'm also going to recommend Ready Player One. I felt like, especially in the ending, that was where I'm like, this is just Ready Player One, but with solely WB properties. Um, so I'm going to recommend that one. I'm also going to recommend, um, let's see, I have three here that I'm going to pick one out of. Let's go. Let's go to the Smurfs. I'm going to recommend the Smurfs. I actually what? haven't seen it, um, but I've seen enough of it to know that if you like Space Jam, maybe the Smurfs you'll enjoy. Sure. It's That's... got a similar uh, style to it. Yeah. To an extent. About the same, about the same maturity level, I would say. Yeah. 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 My other two are going to be all be either Garfield or Alvin the Chipmunks, but that's just because Ooh. they're all like CGI creations or whatever. So, gosh, uh, I'm not going to recommend those. Don't, but don't go there. Anyways. <laughs> all right. Well, the question of the show is this. I kind of asked a version of this in the first Space Jam. The, f the question there was to either be a tune or to be Michael Jordan. This time is, would you be the algorithm or would you be a tune? Because with the algorithm, you can do, you can basically make anything. But if you're a tune, then you can do, you can survive death, I guess. That's true. You can survive anything. All right. Well, Corbin, thanks for joining me. Sure thing. All right, listeners. Well, you definitely want to stay tuned because we're going to be picking up our uh, M. Night Shyamalan retrospective again with his newest release, Old. And then we're getting into Candyman. We're going to be reviewing all four of the new of the movies which also includes the new one uh, we're leading up to the release so you definitely don't want to miss any of that all right listeners we'll see you next week with Ibnat Shyamalan's new movie Old Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, 
Facebook and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide. Alright, this is Corbett and Allen for Looney Tunes oops, Space Jam, A New Legacy. <laughs> Almost called it Looney Tunes Back in Action 2. That's not right. <laughs> it wishes. Later LeBron calls Later LeBron Yeah. Later I was just second guessing myself on his name for some reason there. Oh. <laughs> I was thinking it's not LeBron, it's LeBron. No. <laughs> in the world.